Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everyone, my name is Yomi Adekake. And I'm Elizabeth Yvabanene. And welcome to Slay In Your Lane, the podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Facebook. And we are super excited to be able to speak to the wonderful Selena Boyd today, founder of Coco Girl and Coco Boy magazines. Um, during lockdown, Selena's six-year-old Faith searched for magazines that represented black children, but she wasn't able to find any. So off the back of this realization, she started Coco Girl, which has experienced a huge surge in sales, selling more than 11,000 copies in its first month. This is literally during a time when print sales for pretty much every other magazine were in decline. So we can't wait to have a chat with her today. How are you doing today, Selena? I'm really good. I'm actually really excited to be talking to you both. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very good. It's so interesting that you, uh, Selena, you've, you launched a magazine in lockdown. Like, I just can't even imagine how you found the time. It's funny. I, I know you're saying you can't imagine how I found <laughs> the time, but I literally was doing childcare before lockdown. So the government has said you can't work if you work with children. I was about to launch a nursery. So I had a lot of time on my hands and... Um, you know, I just thought, well, maybe I will dedicate that time to just talking or, you know, getting some things for my daughter to keep her entertained. So that's why I went to the supermarket to find a magazine which had, you know, some representation in it. And we were really puzzled when we saw nothing. Um, but my dad has this saying, if you have a problem, sell the solution. So we just decided to do a magazine ourselves. Yeah, and it's just been a really fun time. And just to see it grow is just amazing. And you worked in the publishing industry for 18 years. Yeah, I did. So, um, you know, I worked in the publishing industry, but just found it really hard to kind of get up that ladder. Um, and yeah, it was just hard work. I remember trying to go for different jobs or senior roles. Um, one was like an art director for a really prominent magazine. And just, you know, the way I was treated in the interview, I just felt like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. So I literally left all of the publishing role behind to basically have a career in childcare. And um, that was going really, really well before lockdown. You've sort of mentioned that, I mean, obviously, as we've spoken about, you, you know, launched this at a time that was probably quite difficult. Um, and But I wanted to ask, sort of, aside from that very obvious stumbling block in terms of, you know, a pandemic backdrop, mm. um, you know, most print um, publications being on the decline, um, what were the other sort of hurdles that you faced on your journey to launching Coco Girl and Coco Boy? Yeah, I think the hurdles... Um 
Well, really, some was from my own community. Um, some people saying, you know, who's given you the authority to do this magazine, which I found quite interesting. But um, other hurdles were from um, just trying to get the magazine printed. Um, you know, when you show them the title, it was like, okay, um, we'll do it. And then the first round of print copies were just badly printed. It was just the care hadn't gone into it. Um, I remember a few people that received the magazine saying, oh, you know, this magazine had pages ripped out of it. Um, and I was like really baffled because I know they're sealed in a bag or sealed in a poly bag when they're sent to customers. So, you know, there ended up being some sabotage at the printers. Um, some people as well saying that when they got home, they found their magazine not posted through their door, but in a bin around the corner. Um, so I think those were the real sort of hurdles and also as well, just seeing the bigger, you know, picture to the publishing world. It's not easy really to launch a magazine. There's so many things that you have to think about, which is quite interesting. And you said, you say about Coco Girl, I want black children everywhere to know that they don't have to change their appearance to feel beautiful. And you intend to use a Coco platform to celebrate our culture while making black role models more visible. Mm. What does an issue of Coca Girl look like? Okay, so your typical issue, um, basically up front, you've got like Faith's page, which is like the Ed's letter. And she literally talks about what she wants. And then I go in and say, I'm not sure if they'll be too interested in that, but let's tweak it a little bit. And mm -hmm. um, so she, she, she's really instrumental in, in her own little letter. And then we have, um, you know, a competition bit up front. Um, Barbie is, uh, is one of our first advertisers. So, you know, we do sort of a prize giveaway. Um, uh, the, the I think the Barbie dolls or the fashionista Barbie dolls have been really popular and you know I think Barbie also said the sales went up with them and then like throughout the magazine we teach children how to bake um, how to make their own hair products um, we teach them as well about just you know, or we look at inspirational role models. Um, so we'd have, you know, yourselves, Elizabeth, and you and me in the magazine and just talk about your journey. Um, and just on a level where children can really understand. Um, so we had like a fashion designer, one issue, and I was sent a video where a little girl was like, mommy, I want to be a fashion designer now. Oh no, actually I want to, you know, be a drummer like Geneva. So mm -hmm. it's really, it's really lovely when we have, you know, these, these children writing in and just saying, wow, we can actually see what we can become. Yeah. I think that what's so interesting with um, Coco, Coco Girl is I think growing up, I never really saw um, girls who looked like me on like magazines, like, of, of that age at all so and um, when I saw it especially on LinkedIn that day I was like wow this is so powerful um so I yeah that's, I think that you know it's such a powerful image that, that stayed with me I don't know how you felt Yomi when you first saw it and if that's something that kind of like triggered the you know um the when you were kind of like younger that, that feeling of not being represented no yeah definitely I think specifically um within the age group as well like you know, primary school age, really young kids, um, you definitely don't see, um, I mean, generally black women and black girls are invisibilized within the media, um, full stop, but 
Um, I think, you know, I even wrote about it in Slaying Elaine that I had lots of memories of the magazine, specifically Sabrina Secrets, which was like a magazine that was, um, you know, in mm-hmm. kind of off off the back of the TV series, the Nickelodeon TV series, um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I remember sort of getting the freebies and um, not being able to use any of them because obviously, you know, they weren't necessarily created with me in mind. So like, you know, the wrong color lip gloss and like hair clips that wouldn't work in my afro and stuff so yeah I just remember seeing it and thinking you know even aside from myself but just thinking about you know like for the next generation for when like I eventually have children um it's just going to be amazing the fact that they're able to um have something that you know speaks to them directly and that it's those formative years as well where representation matters more than ever absolutely So we just last week actually released our latest book, Loud Black Girls, which is all about sort of enabling um, people, but specifically young black women to sort of um, be their authentic selves and, you know, speak truth to power. Um, So I was interested in what it was like for you when you were growing up. Um, Did you feel that there was space for you to be your authentic self? And especially because there weren't necessarily publications like um, Coco Girl and Coco Boy um, around during your childhood so what would you say Mm. your experiences were around that growing up it was quite an interesting upbringing because like my daughter I was at an all-white school and I was the only black girl in my class and um but my experience was different because the most popular white girl in the school was my best friend so if anybody decided to you know be racially abusive or whatever they couldn't because they know that Carly would deal with them and so I had I didn't really see racism in that school although I grew up in a really racist area um and then following on from that I went to a really mixed secondary school and, um, you know, the same school actually as Stephen Lawrence. So even though I went to a school where I didn't see racism because of that sort of protection from that friend, I saw it in a mixed school because Stephen Lawrence went to our school and his death was just so traumatic for me. It's something that I don't think I've ever gotten over. So I feel growing up, there was just, I saw a mixture of um, trauma being a black girl because of the the attacks that were happening around us, um, as I said, with Stephen Lawrence. And also just feeling as if, um, you know, just not having those opportunities to be me because of the color of my skin. So I think the area that I grew up in just played a big part because of what was going on around me at the time. Um, But saying that, I didn't let that affect my path. So I grew up in a school as well where um, I had teachers that were, you know, kind of labelled me because of the colour of my skin. Um, I remember one teacher showing my dad my E-grades in year 10 and saying, yep, that's what Selena is going to get for her GCSEs because it's average for somebody like her. And um, my dad literally spoke up and just spoke, you know, things into existence that no, Selena can do better, I believe in her. And because my dad believed in me, even though this teacher didn't, I changed my grades around in the space of a year. Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, even though I grew up in tr that trauma around Stephen Lawrence, um, I actually came out, you know, just refocusing and coming out with really good GCSEs where I could go on to college and then finally as well doing a degree. So interesting. And it, in your story, doesn't it sounds like a lot of stories that um, we hear growing up and we've seen. Um, do you think that it needs to be more looked at regarding to opportunities to provide for black children to be true to themselves? And how can we like teach them to kind of like own their voices and really kind of like, I guess, forge um, um, a particular like path for themselves when you've got, you know, teachers that may doubt them and, and things like that? Well, I can just you know, speaking from experience, um, my daughter, again, she was in a school which was kind of, they had this sort of unconscious bias in terms of, you know, because she didn't look like the other children in her class, she was treated differently. Um, and just one experience, I went to the school and there was a year one display. And I knew that even though she was the only black girl in her class, there was about 10 ch black children in year one and none of them were displayed on this board. And, you know, as you do, you look for your child's face, but um, in the corner of my eye, there was a sort of a, a painting and this painting wasn't very nice. It was really dark. So the skin tone blended in with the hair. And, um, you know, my daughter ran in and said, mommy, mommy, that's me. My teacher did that. That's me. Um, and so I had to literally go into the school and just help them and educate them about, you know, making the school more inclusive and diverse. And that's just one of my, you know, um, advice to parents or to anyone, you know, get involved. You know, sometimes people don't know and you have to go in and help. And you know, as a result, they got um, a black head teacher to come in and to just show them different things that they could do. I think even for Black History Month, you know, it, this school is in a predominantly white area, but they chose to show a video of an ex-drug dealer who had ch changed his life around from being a drug dealer to someone that, you know, is, you know, is doing all right for himself. And I was just saying, I, I said to the head teacher, look, you could have used Mary Seacole, you could have used Martin Luther King. Um, you know, it's just helping maybe which, wherever community area that you're in, just allowing them to, um, you know, not make these mistakes and speaking up when they do. Um, that, that's just really important. And because Faith saw me speak up, she now speaks up when she thinks that things aren't quite right as well. Wow. So I think it's clear, Selena, in terms of what you're doing to sort of drive the long-term change to like, you know, affect representation, the representation that we see of like young black people and just black people generally within the media. Um, but we're interested in what you think businesses can do to drive that same change in the long term. Um, yeah, in terms of providing that representation that you're working so hard to provide yourself. I would say um, to businesses, like be mindful of your audience because children want to feel connected to you and seen by you. And like the images you can create or the images you create can either make them feel included or excluded because of what's happening around them. Children are waking up and they're actually, you know, spotting things like 
I remember watching um, the 1971 version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Faith and we had been reading the book. So she was so excited to see the movie. And, you know, I wanted to see it because my favorite actor is Gene Wilder. So we sat down, watched it, got our popcorn and we we're watching it. And she just looked, she weren't looked like she didn't, wasn't engaging with it. And she was like, mommy, there's no black people in here. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I've watched this film over and over again as a child and I never spotted it. I just thought, you know, I didn't even think about that. But now these children, because of what they're seeing around them, they're seeing that, you know, that film wasn't speaking to them. Um, and again, they look at brands as well and see whether a brand is speaking to them. Like Faith absolutely loves Barbie. Um, my daughter suffers with a condition called vitiligo. Um, and that's another thing we talk about in the um, our magazines, just different conditions. So the last was vitiligo. Um, the last issue we did vitiligo. And this issue we're doing cerebral palsy. But she was like, mommy, I love Barbie because they have a vitiligo doll. Um, or, you know, I bought her the Rosa Parks doll that Barbie did. And because I've spoken about Rosa Parks to her, I've taught her as well about, you know, other various different black role models, but Rosa Parks stuck out for her. And she was like, mommy, they have a Barbie. They have a Rosa Parks Barbie. Can you get it for me? So these children now are so like we, like, you know, we like to say woke. They are waking up. They're seeing what brands are doing and, and how brands are speaking to them. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and I think what's so interesting at the moment, obviously we're in Black History Month and October is obviously an opportunity for brands and businesses to kind of show their support um, for um, black businesses and, and black people and black voices. Um, what, what can companies do to you know, show this energy throughout the year, not just October? Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, as I said, um, when I was in the publishing world, there's, there was that glass ceiling. I just couldn't get above it. And um, I think brands need to employ more black people. If they're trying to reach that audience, then you need to employ more black people because they're experienced, they're living that culture. Um, and, and, and I think that's why sometimes brands find it so hard because they're trying to reach a particular audience that they know nothing about really. 
quite active on Instagram at Coco Girl Mag. Um, mm-hmm. How have you found using Instagram has helped in terms of growing your business? And what would you say that it sort of allowed you to do? Because I feel like a lot of black women, you know, mm-hmm. are, are very sort of active on social media in terms of brand building. How has it been for you? Yeah. I love Instagram. So Eve the rapper or she used to be a rapper I think I don't know what she does now but I know knew her from the 90s as being a rapper when she posted the video of me and my daughter on the BBC talking about the magazine people started to go crazy people started to follow us and I just think it's when you know influential people see what you're doing and you know they're shouting about it it's just a good platform for that it's also a good platform when you want to do your lives and you can do competitions and, you know, you connect with your audience in such an amazing way. I absolutely love doing lives. I've only done one, but just, you know, just seeing our customers and just seeing how they interact with us is a beautiful thing. Um, so I think Instagram is a fantastic platform. You know, I've got somebody that helps me with my Instagram, but I'm always posting things and they're always telling me off because I'm not using hashtags and things like that. So I need a bit of training when it comes to that. But yeah, I just think, you know, Instagram is a brilliant, brilliant platform. Do you feel that, um, you know, you've spoken very positively about it as a platform. Would you say that Instagram can help in terms of the representation of underrepresented groups with the hashtags and, you know, with the different accounts that kind of do focus more on sort of minorities? Yeah, I I do. I think, um, you know, I, I think lots of brands are using that platform, you know, and I really, really do feel as if, at this moment in time, it's just a good space, whether it's with pictures or videos, to actually just look at culture. Um, you know, I, I really, that's something that I do, or, or actually to speak to your audience. So, you know, I do feel that it's, um, it's a good platform for that. And can you share like three people who've been role models for you in your journey to creating Coco Girl that our followers should get to know? I would say my three role models are oh, Candice Brathway. I hope I said her name right. Um, I absolutely adore her. I, I just love her um, transparency. Um, I think as well, she posted the magazine on her page and just, you know, spoke about it, just saying that she hadn't seen anything like it before. Um, so I'm, a, I'm just a massive fan and I just love the work that she's doing and the way that she speaks out. I love both you. I know, you know, it's well, I'm speaking to you, but both you. you, Elizabeth and Yumi. I think Elizabeth, when I first posted the idea on LinkedIn, you liked it and... Um, that to me I just have never forgotten and Yomi would you believe yesterday my husband went was showing your image he was like oh my god I've just heard this you know this young lady on a podcast and she's amazing I can't remember something some podcast that he's tuned into and I was like um Darren I'm speaking to her tomorrow (laughs) he was just blown away so it's just like and and, you know I was at your your soft book launch or you know um, I think it was at Streatham Library I went and Oh wow! Incredible. Yeah. That time I was I was I was launching a, a nursery, um, and again Elizabeth, you just said like if you need any help, let me know. And that's my you know it was a nursery, and now look at this. It's just incredible. 
um and the nuggets that I've got from your you know original book Slay in Your Lane so you know I just say that's my three you know you're my three um as well as Candice and you know yeah what you're doing is incredibly important and it's just you're planting those seeds and you're just seeing them you know just people flourish from it as well so thank you thank you so much selena and honestly like likewise like you're doing incredibly and we really appreciate for you know we don't have kids yet but when we do we appreciate (laughs) that they'll be coming into a world that's far more representative thanks to the work you're doing um so this has obviously been an incredible start for coco publishing um you know, it's been a very difficult year for many people, but it's amazing that you've been able to um, really flourish despite everything that's been going on. What is next? Um, where do you go from here after such an amazing beginning? Yeah, I think, um, so we've had a, a few publishers approach us. So I think what's next is children's books, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and and some, you know, some of the ideas they have are extremely exciting. I just... I can't wait to, you know, jump on the projects that are coming our way. Um, Yeah, and just as well, you know, we're in talks about getting certain things on billboards, which is just going to be, you know, another avenue because our goal is to get children seen as well. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a massive announcement coming um, on the 22nd of October. Mm. Um, You know, a supermarket has acquired us. Oh, wow. Amazing. (laughs) This is exclusive then. Thank you. That, you know, everything was kind of signed today. So I can actually say. And um, yeah, it's, I just have to pinch myself because I never thought this was just meant to be some sort of little side hustle. Wow. And never thought it would grow to this extent at all. I can't believe that this is happening and it's it's only been a couple of months. Like super, super yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's just an incredible journey. I think as well, it's just the response. Like we were on Access Hollywood like two months ago and um, somebody, that, you know, a platform, sorry, that I would never have thought would have been interested because when I was doing the magazine, that's what I was told. Nobody's going to really be interested. Or when I was sharing the idea with some of my, you know, publishers back in the day. And now look at, look at what's happened. You know, it's just an incredible, incredible journey. And in terms of, we, we're asked this question a lot um, in terms of long-term change, but um, what what would you like to see from brands and businesses um, when it comes to long-term change? You've mentioned your um, exciting news, um, but what, what else would you like to see on a broader level? Okay, what I would like to see, I guess, is... Um just brands making use of the talent that is around them, um, you know, and also brands, you know, helping to train children up. So one thing that we want to do when we eventually come out of this lockdown is to work with mass, like big brands and organizations. And um, this will be under sort of another business called the Coco Dream. And just show children what they can be, get children doing work experience from such a young age at these big organizations, um, you know, so that they can see what's ahead of them. We're actually working with Kidzania at the moment, which is like 
a place where children can pretend to be adults and can work in H&M or work for BA. Um, and we've taken over the Metro little stand. So wow. children are designing the Metro newspaper, but talking about Coco Girl, Coco Boy, and writing about their, their just black history heroes. And, um, you know, I think organizations like that, like Kidzania are important because children are actually learning through play, which is something that I'm really big on. So, you know, just adopting that, I just love, I'd love for big organizations to allow children to, you know, learn through play, but well, learn by going to these organizations and just seeing what they can be when they're older. Um, what advice would you give to a young black woman um, that also has aspirations of launching something, especially when the circumstances don't look like they may necessarily be the um, easiest? Yeah, I would say, I mean, uh, I've tried to launch so many different things in terms of publishing. Um, and it started off with a health magazine. Uh, I only did one issue of that. Um, and I remember my aunt telling me, well, you're always trying to do a magazine, <laughs> you know, just don't listen to people that are going to be negative. Keep going, keep pushing, really just because there'll be that one door that you'll eventually get into. Um, so just try and <laughs> try and pull yourself away from that negativity also as well this magazine was launched during lockdown so I was able to not be necessarily around some certain individuals that may have been quite negative I could just get on with it and I just I just feel that's really importantly important sorry and secondly I, I, my father is my biggest inspiration and he as as I said he always said to me if you have a problem you know sell the solution there are many things that we still haven't got solutions to so just find that one one thing wow that's such a powerful um line um and honestly thank you so much for this interview it's been so 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 good to hear from you um especially now that you said that you came to our Streatham um launch event last year so it's just such a mm. small world um and i'm so happy that you know we've both been able to have positive impacts on each other um so thank you so much selena for your time today it's been really good to get to know you oh thank you both and thank you for being such great role models oh, thank, thank you. you likewise <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to um, this amazing episode um, with Selena Boyd. Um, so for more stories on the people, brands and ideas shaping culture, follow Facebook Curated on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time. I've been Elizabeth Yvebanene. And I'm your main Dega Kay. Bye. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.